Governor Abbott declares that Texas is under invasion as he battles the feds over who has authority at the border. But does that statement stack up with the reality of the situation along the Rio Grande? We've pulled bodies out of the river of young kids, um, you know, men, women, and children. People putting themselves and their kids' lives at risk uh, should not be a normal thing. We join a patrol along the border, what our cameras caught, and the message officers are hoping to send to policymakers in Austin and Washington. He voted to acquit Ken Paxton, but now a Texas state senator wants lawmakers to take a new look at impeachment. Why the AG's move to end a whistleblower lawsuit has one Republican ready to reconsider his vote. A wet week in Texas, but while the creeks are flowing, the state still faces water worries. We dig into the efforts underway to make sure we have the supply to meet our growing needs. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. The Supreme Court on Monday said that Border Patrol can remove razor wire placed along part of the Rio Grande as part of the state's Operation Lone Star. It's part of an ongoing battle between the state and federal government over who has authority to enforce immigration law. But the high court's position has not settled the fight. Governor Greg Abbott said the legal battle is not over, and he refused to allow Border Patrol to access a park in Eagle Pass at the center of the dispute. The Supreme Court's order addressed just one aspect of a larger case still before the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Oral arguments in that case are scheduled for February 7th. Abbott maintains that keeping the wire in place is essential to protect Texans from what he has previously called an invasion at the border. The governor issued a statement citing articles the U.S. Constitution, he says, give states the right to defend against invasion. That authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. Abbott said adding the Texas National Guard, DPS, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority to secure the border. Amid the ongoing political fight, lawmakers from Washington are heading to the border to see the situation for themselves. Our politics team joined a bipartisan congressional group that traveled to the Rio Grande Valley. Our Monica Madden joined a night patrol along the border and saw the contrast between humanitarian needs and political reality. I mean, we care about what goes on. The, the reason we're so uh, adamant that it needs to stop is the, the amount of suffering that we see. Chris Cabrera has been a Border Patrol agent for 22 years. He says his job has never been more challenging than it is today. It's changed dramatically. And it's felt by many on the job. We're losing agents faster than, than we can replace them. Over the course of two days, Cabrera gave us a tour along the border, showing us holes in fences where they'll find human smugglers. And at night, we staked out the wall. And you can see the wall behind me. We're getting a tour from Border Patrol agents where they tell us that most nights they are outnumbered by the amount of migrants, sometimes hundreds at a time, trying to climb the wall. We spotted a group of 22 migrants, including unaccompanied children and a baby. It's very dangerous to, to, to come across that river, much less to be a, a small child. They turned themselves in to federal authorities. And they'll start their processing. All of them are claiming asylum as of now. And loaded a bus. Here, people know that if they come in, they say a, a few magic keywords that we're going to release them into the country with a court date five years away, and nobody's really going to look for them if they don't show up. Cabrera doesn't blame groups like we saw, but the policies. It's easier to get into this country illegally than it is to get in here legally. So, of course, they're going to take advantage of that. We are witnessing 
a human tragedy. That was part of why we went on this trip to tag along with a bipartisan group of Texas congressional members. They're hoping to bring back solutions to a gridlocked Washington. The Senate bill, if it's done bipartisan, will have a chance. Tackling immigration policy historically has been a Herculean task, especially with a Congress that has been marred by chaos. All agreed. But Congressman Michael McCall says the state of negotiations are different now, with foreign aid on the line. It's a national security supplemental, so I think we've got the leverage and possibly the best opportunity to get something serious done. Moderate Democrats like Congressman Henry Cuellar can agree with some Republican-led proposals to toughen the process for claiming asylum. This bipartisan type of work will get the job done. But it's not likely that the Senate will take the House border deal as is, which many Republicans are demanding. We need the Senate to pick up our plan or come up with a solution so we can have a path forward. Agents like Cabrera just want lawmakers to see it the way he does. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue, it's a, it's a humanitarian issue. Monica Madden, State of Texas. You heard both Congressman Cuellar and Congressman McCall express optimism about a deal tying aid to Ukraine to new restrictions on asylum seekers. Things have changed since those interviews. On Friday, House Speaker Mike Johnson declared that deal dead on arrival. Johnson says Republicans will push for a package of border reforms that previously failed to win support in the Senate, setting the stage for an election year stalemate. LGBTQ advocacy groups fought new Texas laws at the Capitol and in the courts. Now they're trying something different. Why they're asking the United Nations to get involved. Plus, he's not on the ballot, but Ken Paxton is busy campaigning. His message to voters as he works to push out lawmakers who supported impeachment. After a rainy week, it can be easy to forget Texas is still short on water but there's a billion dollar effort to fix the problem. What's underway now to boost the state's supply? It's been a wet week in Texas with storms bringing floods to large parts of the state. The flowing creeks and muddy ground can make it easy to forget that many areas face low water supplies. It's a challenge some Texas lawmakers describe as the most impactful issue of our time, and they say work needs to happen now to make sure the state can continue to grow. Those efforts got a big boost to the Capitol and the ballot box last year. Brian Chandler reports on the efforts to keep your water flowing. It's too much of a good thing in Fayette County. We had quite a bit come down at one time. You get up here to the Grange and outside of town here and there's water like the fields look like a lake. But not long ago, those fields were parched in a drought plaguing crops and consumers. It's the silent issue with the least urgency with the biggest impact. Lawmakers like State Senator Charles Perry have been warning Texans for years of the state's biggest challenge. The National Wildlife Federation estimates we lose more than half a million acre feet of water every year through leaks, waste, and runoff. That could fill about 240 Cowboys stadiums. We gotta change the mindset on how water is. It's not an infinite source. Last year, voters approved the Texas Water Fund to invest a billion dollars into saving the water we get from the sky and refining the water waiting in the ground. This is a rare and a welcome sight to see in Austin after a year of statewide droughts. But this rainwater is almost all we have to rely on to make sure our taps are still turning on. And until we can control the clouds, we have to control our consumption. 
One gallon of water a day saved by 30 million Texans is 39 gallons for tomorrow. How hard is it for you to get out of the shower 30 seconds early? Perry says we can't just shore up the supply without stemming the demand. It's not a commodity, it's a necessity. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. As you heard Ryan mention, voters approved investing a billion dollars in the new Texas Water Fund. The Texas Water Development Board will determine how that funding gets spent. The proposition approved by voters requires the board to set aside at least $250 million for the new water supply for Texas Fund. The fund allows municipalities to apply for grants and loans to finance projects intended to produce new water sources for the state. These projects include desalinization technology, new treatment facilities, and development of water transportation infrastructure. The board estimates the new water supply fund will provide 7 million acre feet of new water supply by the end of 2033. That's more than three times the amount of water it takes to fill Lake Travis near Austin. A Texas state senator wants lawmakers to reopen the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton. Why he thinks Paxton's latest legal move proves he's guilty. Meanwhile, Paxton hits the campaign trail, even though he's not on the ballot. We don't fix this now. We're not going to be able to fix it. It's going to be over. And we're going to lose not just Texas, we're going to lose the whole country. The AG backs candidates to take out Republicans who supported his impeachment. How the push for political revenge could affect the primary. New Texas laws aimed at the LGBTQ community drew protests and lawsuits. Now advocacy groups are taking their problem to the United Nations why they think international attention could make a difference. A Texas state senator is calling for lawmakers to reopen the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton. North Texas Republican Drew Springer said it's because he believes Paxton is admitting guilt in the whistleblower lawsuit against his office. We told you last week about Paxton's move to end the lawsuit without having to testify under oath. Paxton's attorneys said he would no longer contest the facts in the case and accept the judgment of the court. The whistleblowers say Paxton abused his office to help a wealthy friend and donor and that he wrongfully fired them when they reported their concerns to federal authorities. Paxton said ending the case would save Texas taxpayers time and money. Springer called it an admission of guilt. He can't accept the whistleblower claims against him while touting that he's innocent against those very claims, Springer wrote in a letter sent to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and fellow senators. He asked them to consider reopening the impeachment, adding, quote, this admission by A.G. Paxton is exceptionally concerning as he admitted to violating at least one and potentially more of the articles of impeachment. While Paxton is not contesting the case, his legal filing made it clear that he does not believe that he did anything wrong. And he said the Senate's decision to acquit proves his innocence. Our Will Dupree spoke with Senator Springer about the letter and why he's speaking out now. You know, I went back in the record to look at how you voted during the trial itself, and you voted to acquit Ken Paxton on every single charge that he faced uh, during that time. And so it's maybe seeming surprising that you are now calling potentially to reopen the impeachment proceedings now four months later. Why do this now? Well, there's been a new uh, set of facts that have come up. Last week, Ken Paxton filed with the court a document saying he accepted all of the whistleblowers' claims and it, to just set what the damages should be. Uh, that's an admission of guilt. 
he then came out publicly and said, well, I'm trying to settle it. It's not really an admission of guilt, but that is what it is. So we have a new set of facts. We were told all during leading up to the trial and the trial that he was completely innocent. He spent more time avoiding being deposed than if he would have just sat down, truthfully answered the questions. If he did nothing wrong, had nothing to worry about. And the taxpayers wouldn't be on the hook for the money. I do want to point out that you are not going to seek re-election to your Texas Senate seat. And I'm curious <clears throat> if that factored at all about your decision to make this very public statement about potentially relitigating or even reopening the impeachment. It did not. I would have done it either way if I was running or not running. Uh, you know, these facts deserved the merit. I've talked to scores of fellow legislators that feel the same way that once you made this admission, you were basically saying you were guilty of what the whistleblowers were accusing you of, which was what Article 6 and some of the other articles in the impeachment were about. Now, while I still have you, I just want to run by what Ken Paxson <clears throat> shared with us. Uh, he told us this right here. He said, quote, Springer has to leave the Senate because he was such a bad senator, was not going to get reelected and needed a job. Why should anyone listen to his sour grapes? Care to respond? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I was one of the top rated conservatives, both in the House and the Senate, all six terms that I served. Uh, I would have easily won re-election. You know, and it's sort of, you know, a slam on Texans that have to go to work every day and make an honest living. You know, I didn't get rich being in politics. I need to go back and, and work. We get paid $600 a month. I don't think there's anything wrong with serving your state and then go back and making a living with that. Uh, he has figured out how to get rich in office and actually refuses to show his personal financial disclosures showing where he has made all these big investments, all while working for a paltry state employee salary. Meanwhile, Paxton is scheduled to testify under oath in the case this week, but he's still appealing an order by Travis County Judge Jan Soifer requiring him to be deposed on Thursday morning. Paxton released a statement calling the order from the Democratic judge purely political. He wrote, Travis County has established itself as an unfair venue where a litigant's fate is predetermined by the court's political leanings. We reached out to the judge for a response, but a spokesperson told us she would not comment on pending litigation. Meanwhile, Paxton is ramping up what some call his political revenge tour ahead of the March primary election. Paxton has vowed to back primary challengers to House Republicans who supported his impeachment. That vow brought him to Bastrop for a rally supporting Tom Glass. He's challenging incumbent Republican Representative Stan Gerdes. And as Monica Madden shows us, this was not your typical campaign event. Because they didn't want you to know what they were doing. Acquitted Attorney General Ken Paxton pushing his promise of payback against the Republicans who voted to impeach him. He didn't watch. Oh, they, they impeached me. I don't know if everybody knew. That. I wanted to get it out there, the elephant in the room. At a campaign event for Republican Tom Glass, Paxton spent about 30 minutes airing his grievances. You got to see it on TV how corrupt they are. Talking about his impeachment more than anything else. If you don't fix this now, we're not going to be able to fix it. It's going to be over. And we're going to lose not just yep. Texas, we're going to lose the whole country. What we know about endorsements is for primary elections, they can mean a lot more than general elections. Political analysts say a number of factors could impact these races, many of which have competing endorsements, where Governor Abbott is backing the incumbent and Paxton backing the challenger. Both of these are Republicans and often they're competing and 
campaigning for different candidates. Another factor, if the presidential primary race is still going on. But if it's all decided by the time the Texas primary rolls around, that's going to mean lower turnout. And lower turnout's going to mean an electorate that's going to be more conservative because you're not going to have independents coming out to vote. <laughs> on the trail, Paxton's message focused on rallying the base. It's so important to elect Tom and others like him who at one point got in a bidding war over a copy of the Constitution signed by Paxton. 800, going once. Which ended up selling for $1,900. Monica Madden, State of Texas. We reached out to the campaign team of Representative Stan Gerdes, the Republican incumbent, glasses challenging. The team noted Gerdes worked for the Trump administration and said Governor Abbott will be campaigning with him next month. They've launched protests at the Capitol and challenges in the courts. Now advocacy groups are trying something new to fight Texas laws they say target the LGBTQ community. Why they're pushing the United Nations to get involved. Last legislative session, Texas lawmakers passed seven laws focused on the LGBTQ community. Now those laws are getting attention from the United Nations. Advocacy groups petitioned the UN claiming the laws violate federal and international human rights laws. Our Tom Miller talked with The Hill reporter Brooke Migdon for insight into the move and what the groups hope the UN will do. Who are these four groups that filed a petition with the UN and what are the laws that they're pushing back against? Mm -hmm. The groups are four national and state LGBTQ rights groups, uh, including Equality Texas and the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, they allege that seven laws passed by the legislature last year uh, target LGBTQ people in violation of federal and international human rights law. Uh, those laws uh, that they're pushing back against uh, include the state's gender-affirming health care ban for transgender minors, um, a law preventing public universities from maintaining DEI programs, uh, a law barring transgender athletes from competing in college sports, restrictions on drag performances, and a law that enables schools to potentially ban LGBTQ library books. Uh, the groups say that taken together, these bills represent a systemic attack on the fundamental rights of LGBTQ people. And with this petition going to the UN, what are they hoping the UN does about these Texas laws? Mm -hmm. They're hoping that the UN will intervene by issuing a public statement on the bills uh, and also recommending to the state and federal governments that these bills be repealed. Uh, the groups in their letter also requested that the UN encourage the Texas uh, government and federal government to pass stronger anti-discrimination laws. Um, and, uh, you know, the UN has already expressed some concern about anti-LGBTQ legislation in the U.S. Uh, so it, it does make sense that they would appeal to the UN uh, on this issue. Um, you know, a UN committee in December uh, said it was concerned by the rapid spread of bills uh, restricting the rights of LGBTQ people nationwide, uh, and, and that certainly includes Texas. And it's not just Texas that's being targeted here in this letter, also critical of the federal government. What's the criticism there? Mm -hmm. The criticism is that the Biden administration has not done enough to protect LGBTQ people from these state-level attacks on their identities. Um, Biden has certainly done a lot for the LGBTQ community through executive action. Uh, he frequently calls out attacks against the trans community in particular. Uh, 
in, in speeches and, and public comments. Uh, but the groups in this letter uh, say that more substantive action needs to be taken. Uh, they say that the lack of meaningful action by the Biden administration may actually constitute a violation of a UN treaty from the 1960s uh, that commits nations to protect and preserve uh, basic human rights. All right, reporter Brooke Migden with The Hill, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. In 2023, Texas lawmakers filed a historic number of bills impacting the LGBTQ plus community, 141 in all. Those bills led to intense debate and loud protests at the state capitol. And as you've seen, the battles are still being fought. Our investigative project Outlaw looks at the connection between those proposals and a 50-year-old state law banning homosexual conduct. Texas is one of only a few states yet to repeal that law. We explore why the statute remains, the fight over its enforceability and efforts to end the law. You can watch the full docuseries online now. Just look for the outlaw link in this week's State of Texas story right now on our website. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle and we'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.